is it possible to build and maintain a relationship even among big foundational differences? That's the question we're going to be answering today. We look at social media and we see people arguing and fighting over relevant issues, but we got COVID, we have Black Lives Matter, we have so many things, politics. Is it possible to maintain those relationships? We see people arguing and blocking each other and not even being able to talk and communicate. Can we still maintain our differences and move forward in a healthy way? So that's what we're here to talk about. I have three great guests that I can't wait for you to meet. The title of this show will be Love is a Battlefield. And if you're dealing with this in your own life, you do not want to miss this because we're going to get into it real raw and relevant topics from a multi-generational perspective. I'm your host, Michael Williams, and I can't wait to get with you. You don't want to miss this. Stay tuned. Let's connect. You are now tuned into the XYZ Connection, redefining the generational gap, hosted by Michael Williams, bringing you critical conversations impacting generations. Join us for real, raw, and relevant dialogue from a multi-generational perspective. Let's connect in five, four, three, two, one. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am Michael Williams, and you have tuned into the XYZ Connection. I'm really excited to have you here today. We're going to have a great show today. We're going to be talking about love and relationships and differences. Can you survive differences? And that's not only relationships, that's friendships, that's co-workers, that's family members. So this is going to be a great episode. We have three great guests that I'm going to introduce that are going to be talking about love is a battlefield today. But just in case you haven't tuned in, the XYZ Connection is an amazing show. We're here to just start the talks generationally with real, raw, and relevant topics. Um, and we've just been hitting it hard. If you guys haven't already, joined our Facebook page where we have all these amazing discussions. And we are really just taking it there. <laughs> so I would love for you guys to join and join us in that. But we're going to get started with our first guest. And his name is Mr. Ron Williams. Hey, Ron, how are you doing hey, today? I'm good. Awesome. How are you? I am great. Thank you so much. Ron has been in the financial industry for 30 years, and his mission is to help 100 people become debt-free in the next 12 months. He's helped two different companies make INC as top company in finance. Wow, that's some stuff, Ron. Tell me a little bit about what that means to you about helping 100 people reach their financial goals. First of all, thanks for having me on the show. I'm, I'm honored to, to, to partner up with you and and to uh, to talk about about uh, situations that I know you feel that are important. Um, in regards to to uh, helping people get out of debt, I think it's a, it's a mission of mine. Uh, I think right now what's happening with, with the world that we live in, um, there's a lot of people out there that are struggling that are still living paycheck to paycheck and, and haven't figured out how to get ahead. So So my goal is to really help them reach that level of you know, becoming debt free. You know, once you get the, the the debt out of the way, now you have time to to do the things that you want to do: spend time with your family, travel. You know, maybe start other uh, ventures and things like that. 
Guest number two, we got Denise here. Hey, Denise, she is from Generation Y. How are you doing, Denise? I'm great. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Denise, let me introduce you. You are the founder of Podcasters of New Jersey, a podcast incubator. Recently, you launched Podcasters Unlimited Network and consultant company. Tell me a little bit about um, Podcasters Unlimited. What is that? So Podcasters Unlimited is um, a network. Basically, I collaborate with different podcasters and we help them promote their podcasts, help with advertising and possible sponsorship. And Podcasters New Jersey, we call it an incubator. I host a meeting once a month, which is virtually now. And once a month, I bring in different podcasters or business podcasters from every sector of the podcasting industry to talk about just different nuggets of information, things that we might not know that's going on, and just teach the group different aspects of podcasting. In addition, we have uh, a lot of articles and blogs and resources that we provide for the community here in New Jersey. Thank you for coming as well. Um, we got also from Generation Z, one of my favorite guests, so favorite, I just have him on every show, basically. <laughs> Dwight. Hey, Dwight, how are you today? I'm doing well. Good to be awesome. here. Um, awesome. Well, let me introduce you again. Casey, <laughs> Dwight, he is an alum of the illustrious, we have to say that every time, Tennessee, every time. <laughs> Tennessee State University with a Bachelor's of Science in Architectural Engineering, and he prides himself on his devotion and faith in Jesus. His passions for art and poetry, as well as challenging norms on purpose in his writing. And then he has a blog as well. Um, you can tune into at avowedforlife.org. So Dwight, you are a, an engineer. Tell me about that. What, what guided your decision to do that at your age? Most people don't have those kind of goals at your age. Yeah, well, my dad was a civil engineer. Okay. We grew up and he was... You know, he was kind of our role model. I mean, I had three younger brothers and I was the only one who studied, who went right after engineering. My brother's now a mechanical engineer, but uh, I kind of set the tone. Um, but I saw how successful my dad's career was in that industry. He never was jobless. Uh, and so I was like, I need, I need a, little, a little bit of a you know job security. So I decided to go into engineering and found a good passion for it as well. Well, that is awesome. I want to thank all three of you for being here today. This is going to be a great show. We're talking about today. Love is a battlefield. Um, we're maintaining a relationship, I feel like, is difficult enough without so many differences. I feel like today's times we have friends fighting online. We have people blocking other people. You know, back then blocking people was something that you didn't have to worry about. And now with social media, one minute you're on their page, the next minute you're gone because they're mad at something you said. Um, it's it's almost hard for, you know, just me seeing people resolving conflicts is different now than it used to be. So I know what I want to talk a little bit about the communication barriers right now between generations as well. Um, but like I said, we have so many different things that we have different views on right now from politics to the COVID, whether it's a conspiracy, whether it's not religion um, and even different backgrounds, you know, because of the Black Lives Matter movement. Certain people are against it, certain people are for it. And then we're in a voting uh, season. All these things are just striking up controversy. 
Um, and so I wanted to talk about the, the differences right now, and then we'll talk about similarities. But Ron, what do you see right now as some of the biggest um, debates that you've seen on social media? Uh, well, Black Lives Matter, um, you know, the, the racial tension, you know, um, I mean, it's pretty much every week is something new. So um, to me, in my opinion, I think it's, it's because we have an, an election year then a lot of these things are starting to surface and um, cause people to to kind of voice their opinion on what's going on. Um, but <clears throat> I feel that you should do your due diligence first before you just start, you know, judging or, or um, falling into these traps uh, about what's happening. Because, um, you know, you got to realize social media is different compared to when we when I was growing up. We didn't have this, you know, we just had the news. And then if you didn't turn into the news, then you really couldn't, you know, be involved like we now have with, with Twitter and Facebook and all these other platforms. So so it's just, it, to me, it's stay away from the news or the media because uh, now you're going to get cut up with a lot of negativity. It's more negativity than positivity. And, um, and to me, that's a problem because now, you know, you're going into the week already mad about, you know, what some other race said about you or, you know, <laughs> and it's like, it's like that, that's you, you, you stay on track on what, what you need to be doing. Don't don't get caught up with the politics. So and you were saying this is an election year. Do you think this wasn't an issue prior to the election year? Um, I, I don't think it's election? magnified as it is now. OK. How do you feel like um, you feel like race relations are being handled um, in the media with your generation, the X generation? Well, it's always been a case, you know, we've always been through this. So, but now it's being magnified more, you know, um, off of, I mean, now it, it's almost like because you have a cell phone and you can videotape, you know, you can go out here and, and maybe say something to somebody and next thing, you know, it's a, it's a race thing. And I'm like, come on, you know, like that, that, that shouldn't, we shouldn't be going to that extent where you got to be posting up these videos and getting a million views and everybody talking about it and the Karens and all this other stuff that's happening. I think that, that it is going above and beyond because this is this is what they want us to talk about rather than really what, what's important. And so uh, to me, it's a distraction, <clears throat> you know, and there's a lot of other topics that we should be talking about. But but when you start getting back in and forth with race and things like that, then, you know, um, I, I think because of election year and, and the way they want things to, to, to go is is um, get people to have something to talk about. Okay, that's an interesting perspective. What do you think, Denise? Um, what are some of the biggest debates you've seen on social media? One of the biggest debates that I see are a lot of political and racial tension type of debates. I actually, on my podcast, Pod Cipher, I did a show on maintaining your relationship during two pandemics, which mm -hmm. is COVID and the racial tension. I agree with a lot that Ron says. I do feel that we forget that there's real people involved, real issues, real policy, real economic problems in many of these communities. And it is ma magnified, as he stated, so kind of like distinctly around this time with everything with voting and elections that we really forget these problems exist. We start to be distracted about the Karens and the cancel seasons of people getting canceled. You can't say certain things. You can't say this. You can't say that. 
It's so many different emotions. And I'm a person that I feel a lot and I'm a very empathetic person. And sometimes I have to see that a lot of people are fighting. It becomes more political than anything right now to me. I see people saying the left. I see people saying the right. Instead of talking about real issues and things that are that have been happening in this country for years, the way this country was built on was built on laws against people of color. But we forget because now it's voting time and who's going to do what for our community. We don't even know. We're not, we don't even, there's people that you talk to that don't know who their elective officials are, representatives, their local communities. So one thing that I think would help instead of this back and forth and this arguing, I think that we need to try to debate in an informative way and educate each other on what's happening in our community. Everybody wants to fight about politics. What are you doing in your town? I see a lot of political. That's the biggest thing that I've seen in my, in my, some of my friends, some of my associates and people that I previously worked for are, are at each other's throats. I mean, I saw two people that used to be really good friends years ago because of a political argument and because what's happening with COVID just disrespect each other. I think if we come from a place of, we think we know everything everybody does nowadays because we have our computer in our hand, but if we... Right. And we woke, but we have to, we, we can't forget that is affecting everybody and our people the most. And there are issues, but it's always an agenda. And that's what I'm starting to realize. Even me talking to various people about it is just like, it's just really sad. I have noticed that too. I've lost certain people that are mad at me because of my views. Um, and I think it's just interesting how you can be friends for years and allow certain things to come between you that have nothing to do with you in most cases, like these elected officials are going to go sleep at night very soundly, regardless of if we like them or not, and they're going to get paid regardless. Um, so the, how are the millennials, your generation, how are they handling it? How do you feel that they're handling? It? I know with our generation, I mean, we stay out of it a little bit more. We've experienced racism um, for decades. Um, but this is new to some of the younger generation. So how are you, how do you feel like your generation is dealing with it? I feel like a lot of people are speaking their mind more so than I've seen in a long time. And I do see the tension between people in my generation, the millennials, I see people attacking each other or being disrespectful to each other, very aggressive and assertive about a particular perspective that they have. Those are the things I witness. And then I have other people that I see in my group that are able to converse amicably and just understand each other. You know, a lot of people are not going to agree with everything you say. Everything what a person says is not always factual. It comes from a place of emotion. It comes from a place of opinion. But the only thing I suggest, and, I, and I'm starting to see it with my generation, they're educating themselves a little bit more because sometimes you speak out on emotion and it's not always correct. But to me, point blank period, what's, what's happening in this in this country, someone's life being taken it's, it's, it's not debatable to me. And if we're going to debate about someone's life being taken under any circumstances towards police brutality or anything that's just inconsiderate and unjust, then to me, I'm not going to argue on a forum publicly about something that I cannot change your mind. I cannot explain Jim Crow to you. I cannot explain to you um, the 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 Emancipation Proclamation, I cannot explain to you, Booker T, I can't explain to you historical events that's happened in this country that's before what you and I are saying. It's not going to change your view. So I think a lot of people are taking those two routes. They're either speaking amicably or going assertively. And for me, I'm just going to sit back, 
and do what I need to do and worry about what I have to do and do the things that I need to do grassroots, the things I'm doing in my community, the things I'm doing with my family. And that's the only thing I can do because you, you will drive yourself crazy. A lot of people are thinking, oh, this is an election year stunt. Um, a lot of these things that are going on, because I know close people who are saying that as well. But do you think that even the race situation ha is just because of the election? Or do you think that it's something that's been going on for a while that's just being brought really to the surface because of social media and because of cameras? I think it's a combination of things. I do think that social media has a big part in of, of this whole, let's speak about it, let's show this, let's say this, we have proof. I do feel like social media has amplified people's voices and it's made every single person in the world feel as though they have something to say about something, they're going to speak on it. I do feel like social media has a huge part of it. Another thing that I do feel it is the, the election season. It always happens, even when you look at historically, we, we talk about the 19th 60s with Lyndon B. Johnson and the Great Society, what he created as far as let's talk about policy, welfare policy laws. A lot of people talk about how the policy laws that he created within welfare policy with, with mothers being able to collect a welfare check or a standard of poverty, specifically in the black communities, attributes to the loss of fathers in the community, attributes to the loss of broken homes. This is what some people argue. But at the same time, this country was built on social welfare policy, social security, we have welfare, we have, I mean, there's various things. What, what I'm talking about in that reference, this is the 1960s, people are comparing what's happening now to what's happening then, I'm sorry, to what's happening now. The same thing, we're talking about police reform, we're talking about restructuring. So the reason I'm speaking of Lyndon B and all those things is that that happens from time to time that race is the agenda for these type of policies and these type of things that affect our community. So I agree. I do think it is very political. And I do think that at times, both of these parties don't really care about us. Yeah, that's good. All right. And Dwight, what are you, what is your stance on this? What are the biggest things and issues that you've seen? And um, how is your generation dealing with that? Yeah, I agree with Denise and Ron. Um, definitely a lot of political. What I'm seeing a lot though is a lot of people have an opinion without being informed correctly you know they you know and the where people are getting their information from is not a mm. credible source and i don't think everybody's not educated on what is a credible source to get their information from and so we're seeing a lot of people have an opinion and they're just saying their opinion and you know if that opinion gets shared enough times eventually it becomes a fact uh, and I de we definitely see that in my generation. I mean, Generation Z were rampant on social media. And everybody's got a one-liner statement that they want to share on their story, on their Insta story, and you know they want to share it in their posts. And everybody claps because it 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 appeals or appeases an agenda that they have or that complements where they want to go. And so, but we don't realize, you know, all these agendas kind of oppose each other as we're trying as we. I guess innately want some of the same things. We're opposing each other in what we're talking about, and we're we're fighting each other instead of fighting really the systematic issue that exists. Um, so, as it relates to Black Lives Matter, as it relates to the election year, as it relates to this pandemic, you know, none of these take precedence over each other. They're all equally important. Uh, but when people have an agenda to make one more important than the other. You either lose people or you bring people on your side and we forget about all the other issues that exist. So, yeah, I th that's what I'm seeing in our generation today, or at least my generation. 
Yeah, and I've noticed that, like you guys all were saying, uh, everyone thinks they're an expert, which which I found that to be <laughs> interesting because you can pull up a Google article and say, I read this and it's an expert. And now they have to have literal fact checkers come behind people and put, this is not a fact. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Because people are so quick to throw an article up and it's not even the picture of the actual person or it's something that didn't actually happen. And then they're saying this happened and getting everybody riled up. Um, so have you noticed, Dwight, in your generation that people are more prone to just throw information out there without researching um, and just making that to be their statement? And where does that come from? Yeah. Um, like I said, social media is really that's a platform that many people use. They use their credibility and what they've established on social media to I guess, communicate to others that they're a credible source for the facts. Um, and so they can throw anything that looks good that, you know, that they think people would actually share. You know, I, I say it all the time. We live in a shallow culture. And so anything that looks good, we think is good or is true. Um, and so, yeah, anything could be you could. And it's funny what you can do with words. You can make a whole lie sound like the truth if you use the right words. If you say it with a certain cadence, if you say it with a certain vocabulary or a certain tone, you can make it sound like the truth. And to be honest, my generation is becoming experts in that as we're, you know, we're very artistic, we're very creative. And so, I mean, so are the millennials as well. Um, but I do see, yeah, I do see information just being tossed around. Um, it's a whole lot of opinions, a whole lot of spec speculation. Don't get me started on conspiracies. Everybody's got a conspiracy. Everybody's got an opinion about Everybody. a conspiracy. And it's it, it's just to be honest, it's a it's a little bit of a waste of time to sit here and conspire about what may be happening. Like the pandemic is real. Like whether it was a lab test or not, people were dying. Black Lives Matter. No matter if he wrote a bad check, if this is a political agenda to show that it doesn't matter. He died unjustly. <laughs> it doesn't matter. But you know, we want to kind of add a caveat to everything. And the caveat really is irrelevant when real things are happening. I think that that's uh, key is understanding that everyone wants to have a conspiracy. Everyone wants to prove their point rather than being empathetic to the situation at hand. Yeah. Um, I It hurts me when I see people go, well, he did this or that. And I'm always like, well, their job was not to kill him on the scene. Their job was to take him in so that he could have a fair trial and we can decide whether he was right, whether he was wrong, whether he committed a crime, whether he didn't. And that was taken away from him. So therefore, there's nothing else you can tell me about what he did right or wrong. Because yeah. that the, the fact that his due process of law was taken away from him. And that's when you could have discussed his past. And so you took that away from him. So you don't have that anymore. <laughs> are trendy today. Like, every, like you said, everybody wants to have a conspiracy because it's trendy. Anything mm -hmm. that's trendy, everybody's going to tap into. Everybody's going to try to create their own version of the reality. And it, it's just irrelevant. It's a waste of time. I think another thing I've noticed is everybody wants to be woke. Um, there's this thing where everybody's saying, oh, we don't want to follow with the masses, but the, whatever you're saying you follow is something that someone else is following and introduced to you as well. Um, and so I just, the whole, now there's, they're even coming up with slavery was a choice. Um, it was 
something that we were just immigrants and we were seeking a better life <laughs> um, and different things like that. It's just like, really? So you're really trying to rewrite history in the name of being woke. There's some things that are not disputable. There's something that are facts and they did happen. And um, they happened in the way that we said they happened. <laughs> the history books show they happened. Now, there are things that I feel like are added to or taken away. But at the same time, the base premise of what slavery was, what it did to people today, what the impact of the, the mental impact on its, its um, descendants and the fact that we still want, we're still trying to be free is relevant. You know, it is relevant. It's truth. Um, and no one wants to hear that word anymore, <laughs> I don't think. But have any, any of you all lost any friends uh, due to just these debates and being online and maybe expressing your opinion? Have you found that it's it's alienated you from some people that you maybe once had a relationship with? Anyone can answer that. Without a doubt. Um, and I well, let me I actually meant to say the exact opposite. <laughs> I actually gained more friends. Really? Uh, yes. Well, I'm a believer, so I'm a little bit I like to be. I'll just say it like this. I believe that the more friends, I don't, I, it's not that I want more friends that oppose my opinion or disagree with me, but I believe that if I have, if, if all of the people that I'm connected to agree with me, then I don't know how to talk to the people that disagree with me. Mm -hmm. And so I actually begin to follow the leftists and the rightist perspectives because now I get to hear where they get to a rock in the road on certain topics. And maybe I can begin to study how I can respond to that. I may not know everything, but I can definitely begin to study the different rocks in the road that people come to in their philosophies and belief systems. I studied like if as a Christian, I study the atheists. I read. Yeah, I did too. I read, I, you have to because I don't I don't know the truth or I don't have what I consider truth just for me to have. Like it's for me to share. It's for me to share with others so that they can experience the same freedom or revelation that I'm experiencing. But, you know, if, when we hoard that truth and just it, we want it to benefit us, but we actually don't believe in it enough to benefit other people, um, we become very isolated and very uh, compartmentalized in our own world. And the world is not ours. It doesn't revolve around us. You know, there's more people that need to experience, that need to understand, that need to be informed. Um, so, yeah, I've actually followed more people. <laughs> I've gained more friends. I don't really unfollow people because unfollowing them doesn't affect them. It only adds to the fire. You know, oh, I'm, I'm losing more people. Everybody doesn't support what I'm going at because it's the truth. You know, pe that's people's agendas today. You know, like, people can justify anything that they want. So unfollowing them does what? That's me. That's true. That's true. I agree. I haven't unfollowed a few people that I used to work with that have completely different perspectives because as well as what you said, it's very important. I study what they talk about and I, I dig into the truths that they believe in because a lot of the times we forget that we all come from one place and it just gets kind of, we, we kind of been sporadically taken to different areas of the whole entire world. When you speak about like the ancestry of, you know, what race is, race was done to conquer and divide. It was a power dynamic dynamic that was structuralized in this country. You talk about, you know, even my country, the Dominican Republic and the issues that we have with Haiti. A lot of times, a lot of people do not consider themselves as a black identifying 
um, person and they consider themselves Dominican and there's nationality. There's so many different things. And I want to understand what everyone, you know, sees and what truths they have, what information they have. And you said something that's really important. All information is not good information. You have to get these, um, you know, Google Scholar has a lot of good evidence-based journals that are qualifying with different doctors, different people that are professionals, actual professionals. Right now, I'm in my last year and I'm going for my master's in social work. So that's why I spoke heavily about welfare policy and things of that nature, because you see a lot of things. One thing I would say, I did have a debate with one guy who's like an associate, and he was saying, the, that's why I brought up the Lyndon B. Johnson, how welfare has ruined the black community and everybody's lazy and these people just want to sit on their ass. They need to get drug tested. They need to do something. I say, hey, you know what? I've worked in community organizations. They do get drug tested. So surprise, smarty pants, that's already <laughs> happening. So what are you talking about? So then he goes in and saying, well, the greater society, What I, that's why I brought that up and all this stuff. I said, okay, let's go back to what um, FDR did with you know institutionalizing racism accidentally with the laws that he passed with agricultural um agriculture went up taxes for people in the south everything that was done through the fdr movement and the new the new deal was strategized for people in the north not for people primarily in the south the union laws that isolated people of color to get jobs these are the things that they not they're not aware of but this is something i have to study in school because yeah. i'm a social worker so we talk about welfare policy Nobody was able to get on welfare till about 60 years, 50 something, 60 years ago, 1640. Okay. The settlements, 1640, you were a white widow. All right. And married, you can get welfare. So that's 400 and something years of a head start. And I'm not saying that is right. And what to Ron's point, people in our, in our area, Dominicans, black people, uh, um, Caribbean people, we do need better education as far as empowering ourselves financially. And that's why I appreciate what Ron does, because a lot of the times we do depend on certain resources, but that's not the totality of our demise. So those are the things that I had to kind of debate with him. And it was very heated back and forth. He made some points about how this country has a lot of black millionaires. How dare we say that there's systematic racism? Oh, I had someone tell me that too. <laughs> Things like that I've gone through, but I, I haven't stopped following certain people that their point of views are very interesting because they're conspiracy theorists. They go down this rabbit hole, how, you know, we're going to become a communist country like, like Cuba and look at Nicaragua and look at, and look at Venezuela. I mean, let's talk about social democratic countries like the Finlands and the Nordic countries that are pretty much operating on a great standard of less stress as what Ron says. They work half days, they're much happier, and they run like a social <clears throat> social democratic country. <laughs> so those are the things that you, you think about and you're like, you have not picked up a book, but let me throw this book at you. Maybe if you read it, it might help you understand that you don't know everything. You should still look at people's perspectives and still follow them because one thing that I talked about in one of my shows with Generation Z, we talked about Generation Z, that everybody seems to agree with each other. And if you are always in an agreement of a bandwagon mentality, everyone's saying yes to you, you're not going to be able to debate and argue something that's justifiable to you without emotions, with rationale, and with importance, without being disrespectful. And I love that. Um, first, to, to talk about your point of just research and going and getting an education, I went back and got my master's as well. And when you do a research paper, you're not allowed to put Google articles as your source. 
um, that automatically disqualifies you. That is not a, a, an adequate source um, for research. Um, you need to go back to scientific journals where they've actually done the scientific studies and the research. Um, and those are the only ones that you can actually use because they are founded on studies that were over time. And I think that um, people just will throw up an article and say, this is proof that it's true, but it's not. There's a study and research and, and behind all truth, there's research and studies that have gone on for years, you know, that would actually support someone's case, but people aren't, aren't ready for all that and they don't want to do the work. But I love how you said just getting in there with people who disagree with you too, because I do that as well. Like I believe in having, like you guys said, people who don't agree with you. One of my biggest um, opposers is always on my page. He watches everything and he comments negatively about it. And I have not gotten rid of him. I've, I've considered it. I've had my finger on the block button few times <laughs> because of some of the stuff he said about just killing protesters and you know, da, 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 da. and I've been like, you know what, I'm just going to dig in. And I've, every time I've answered him um, and he told me, you know, you're black and you have a great life. So there's no racism too. Um, and so just going through and just explaining it to him, he could, I could throw him away, but where would he learn it? because everyone else he knows agrees with him. And there's a reason he keeps coming back to my page every day over and over, even though I'm posting the things that I'm posting. So maybe he's learning from me. Maybe I'm planting a seed, you know, and I'll take it that way. Um, I've noticed that with your generation, um, Dwight, and some of the millennials as well when I was in school, that they do have more of an open mind. I know a lot of our generation, Ron, we're like, this is how it is. It's always how it's been. I'm following my, what I've learned, you know, and a lot of racists are even like that. But with your generation, and I've noticed everyone kind of blended. Even when I went to college, it was like everyone kind of blended. Everyone talked to everybody. Everybody was more open-minded. And um, they more readily accepted things that even didn't uh, go with what they had learned growing up. Um, and they kind of wanted to do the opposite or do things different. Why do you think that our generation is more about tradition, more about and less open minded? I think that we kind of got to break that tradition, you know, and and, and with, with my podcast that I have that I'm going to be doing is, is titled You Don't Know What You Don't Know. And, and what I mean by that mm -hmm. is that, um, you know, we go by what our parents told us to do. You know, so if, if they had if if they said, hey, go to school, get good grades, go get a job, you know, live the American dream, then that's what we was taught to do. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but but my parents uh, were both middle middle class America and I saw how they were living and, and we didn't take vacations and we grew up on food stamps. And, you know, we struggled with with uh, uh, racial profiling and, and, you know, uh, our culture as well. And uh, it, it was a struggle. But then, you know, if I look at it like, all right, I, I want to break that chain. I don't want my kids or my family to go through that. So maybe I want to go down the entrepreneurship way and, and create a different way for my family and take vacations and do what, what other people are doing in different races and living the American dream. Then I have to do things differently. I can't just have that mentality as, well, do as I say, because that's what my parents did. I got to do things differently. And that comes from maybe opening up my mind space, thinking outside the box, 
and 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 then taking risk and saying, well, maybe this may work. You know, things are changing now. We're in a different era. It's about technology and information. You know, and the more the more informative you are, the more value you bring to the marketplace, um, the more people want to listen to you. So, um, so we can't we can't just do the traditional. Uh, this is what your parents did, and so forth, uh, and then you got to follow that same path. I think that's interesting. So why either Dwight or Denise? Why do you think now that this younger society is a little more open um, to different values, different things that they, than they have been raised, and they're not so locked in? Ron said a lot of good things. What we saw, what we see, in the millennial generation, even in the generation next uh, generation, um, is the extremes the extremes of a particular behavior or a particular mindset. And we don't want to be on the extreme. And um, we also saw in the millennial generation that, uh, you know, just a complete disregard, almost a freedom from that extreme. Like, I, I don't have to do this. I can hop from company, company to company. I don't really have to get a degree to be successful. We've seen that time and time again. Um, and so, yeah, there is a little bit of an open-mindedness. Um, I think we've become more liberal uh, as we've, uh, you know, as the generations have, you know, kind of gone forward. Um, what I also see is, you know, Generation Z, my generation, we we have a desire to be very dynamic. So, for example, I am a part-time barber slash blogger slash poet slash engineer. And I will never hold one position over the other. I'm not an engineer first. I am not a poet first. I am equally all of those things. And you'll never be able to tell just by looking at me. And so there's this desire not to be in a box. What we saw in other generations, even in parts of the you know Generation Y, is this box that we have to be in in order to be successful. We don't want the box. We want to own the box and choose when we want to go in and out of it. Like that, that's, that's what we want. And so, yeah, Generation Z, we become more liberal in that view. And now we're just kind of rejecting the box. We don't we don't, we don't want nothing to do with the box. I think that's interesting because that's like my daughter. Um, she's not only did she get her law degree, but now she's doing um, stock market help. She's help. You know, she's in admissions. She's starting an admissions consulting um, course. She's you know, looking into investing in properties. And there's so many things now that even we all pick. You get a call, you go to college, you get your job, you stay in your job, you raise your family. That's kind of the X generation mentality. And then seeing you guys just going all over the place and making it happen is inspiring, you know, and that's why a lot of us in the X generation are turning around and starting to have more of that mindset. I will say, what I would critique about my generation is sometimes we go too far to the left. We go too far to the left in the sense that everything that our parents did, everything our uncles and aunties did, our big brothers and big sisters did was not wrong. And we begin to reject even the things that are beneficial to us um, for the sake of doing our own thing and figuring it out on our own. I think of it like this. I had three younger brothers. I'm the oldest. Um, and each one of them learned from me and my mistakes. There, and what I see in my youngest brother is him not making hardly any of those same mistakes because he learned from each one of us. It should still be like that. You know, he, he doesn't have to reject everything that we've done or even neglect it and say, oh, no, I'm going to learn from experience. 
you don't have to experience everything. Well, I know when I um, I went to when I was getting my degree, I went back to serving tables because it was a flexible schedule enough to allow me to go to school full time. And I noticed a lot of the people in the Generation Z that I worked with were dealing with drugs heavily. And um, going back to heroin and things like that, things that we saw in our parents' generation that they overcame or struggled with. And you saw a lot of people go downhill from certain yeah. drugs. I'm like, why are they bringing that back? They didn't, they didn't learn <laughs> from the heroin epidemic and all that stuff. I feel like some of them are rebelling just to, they don't even want the wisdom. They want to um, learn for myself. And sometimes right. that can be destructive. It is. Like you said, because you're, you're eliminating all the wisdom that has been learned. If, if you fail to learn from history, you will repeat it. There's a lot of truth to be multifaceted in the Generation Z and the points that you made with your daughter, who is absolutely amazing and everything that she does. I think that with millennials, we caught up a little late. There's some of them, Generation X, I would say millennials, who had this multifaceted kind of mentality already. You know, myself... Um, I actually, you know, went to college and it all depends. I, I came from an immigrant home. I'm the first person to go to college. I came to this country. Um, my brother was born here. I was not. I'm 38 years old. I was raised in the 90s in a predominantly black neighborhood that I look black, but I speak another language. So mm -hmm. there's a culturation. I come to the to the area I'm living in, which is super poor, Patterson, New Jersey. Victor Cruz, I'm sure you guys know who he is. He's from there probably the most notable person. That's why I mentioned it. But um, it's very poor. And I grew up in a, in, a, in an area that if I tell people now that I'm from there, they're like, you grew up in the fourth ward. And I'm like, yeah. So the way that 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 certain millennials in a certain particular social location, we talk about the 1990s, it's late early 1990s, late 1989-ish, there's a big crack epidemic. So in the area that I grew up, social location-wise, meaning the type of kids that were hungry, you have people who are losing their parents to drugs, so all these type of things from millennials, particularly my perspective, you know, coming from another country, you know, and, and, and my mother would say, tu tienes que ir a la escuela. you have to go to school, you have to get a degree. So that was something that I did. And I graduated from college when I was like 25 and I'm 38 now, but I did business and I worked at a job for eight years, um, Bank of America and BNA credit card services. I had that job. And then one day I was let go. And when I was let go, I was like, oh. I went to arts high school. I played two instruments. Yeah, I grew up in the hood, but I am creative. And those kind of that that flight, fight or flight kind of sensory of having to survive because eight years that I gave to this company, all of my 20s, till I was almost 29, 28 years old, I was like in, um, it was called that automative kind of thing. You know, you're just like, work, home, work, not really much. And that I did that. So there is a lot in the millennials that do that sort of thing. And then once I was let go from a job, I started to be creative. I got my life insurance, you know, I sold life insurance, you know, I, I did podcasting, I'm into social work, I work with kids, I, I've written, you know, different articles. And, you know, like you said, you get creative. So I think that out of my generation, it was more of like, a, oh, this didn't work for me. I got the degree. And this ended up being this way. Let me tap into my resources in me. What do I also have to offer? And I think with Gen Z, their advantage is that they have all the information right there and then at a very young age to be able to tap into those type of talents and actually have to be able to identify because they see others like themselves doing it on social media versus, you know, me growing up like in the 90s, it was a little different. 
I think that's like one of the advantages that they see people with these talents in front of them. I, I didn't, I couldn't look to Instagram when I was in high school. Right. I think God, because I was a misfit when it wasn't cool. <laughs> I was a rebel. Me too. Me too. I tell I'm you, so I glad. Heard I was in her, and it wasn't cool. I would have probably been a different person. I'm, I'm glad I didn't have social me too. because I really had to focus inward rather than worrying about my external and how I can get a guy and how I can get the most likes. I'm so glad I don't have to to be a part of that right now because it's so um, it's so much pressure. You know, on a young girl, young guy, you know, I didn't want to get up this many likes. Nobody, you know, you have to look externally for validation. Whereas when our day, we we had to find it somewhere in here, <laughs> you know. And so I, I kind of liked that. But it's different. It's it's not right or wrong. It's just everybody's different. You know? um, so speaking of relationships, I want to get into relationships like our marriage, our boyfriend, our girlfriend, you know, our our uh, fiance, whoever we're in a relationship with, do you think there are should be deal breakers for if you have differences, like maybe one of you is a Republican and one of you is a Democrat, um, or one of you is a Christian and one of you is an atheist? Are there deal breakers? Do you think there's some things that cannot be overcome because their 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 differences are so great? My wife um, is uh, Chinese. And so, um, so we grew up in two different cultures. And so we have a, sometimes like, uh, so funny, <clears throat> I'll, I'll show her, you know, something that's funny to me. And then she don't, she doesn't think it's funny, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, it's, it's like, like a Martin, like little skit or something, but, um, but yeah, it, it, so you do have that. Um, I tell her like, for example, I'm all about personal growth and, and, and church, you know, and I said, listen, if we're not on the same page, what's going to happen? We're going to go in two different directions, right? Mm -hmm. So, so we have to be on the same page because we do have kids, we do have a family, and and it's not to say she has to agree with everything that that I'm that I'm doing, but at least she needs to know what I'm into. So, if I'm all about personal growth and reading and personal development and and really sharpening and, and getting better at who I am as an individual, and she's not, then then things happen. We we're going to disagree. And if we disagree, then that, that's what, you know, the reason why most people would have a divorce is because they don't communicate and they're not on the same page. So, yeah. you know, so that, in my opinion, yes, it's important that, that we uh, at least know each other's views. And I have to now have an open mind on how she thinks things as well. Not just because of, of the fact that she's uh, from a different nationality, but because I'm a man and she's a woman and we think differently. So, uh, like, she's more corporate and I'm not, I'm an entrepreneur. But I can't just be like, well, hey, it's my way to highway when she's more structured and she likes that security and she likes to go to, to a, a job. Uh, and I'm more of a risk taker and I, and I want to kind of, you know, go out and, and be a boss. So, so, but I have to look at her perspective as well, you know, and the same for our kids. I got to make sure that we're teaching our kids what, what's going to be best, you know, how do we raise our kids properly where they have options and make their decisions, not like, well, you gotta do, you gotta be entrepreneurial like your dad. I don't, I don't want them to have to feel like they have to do that. So, so it's really, for me, it's just being open to learn, really. It's like, how can we learn and, and really um, apply what, what we're gonna be learning together and grow from that standpoint? Yeah, that, that's good. And especially when you're from two different cultures, do you find that that makes it more difficult or does that make it enhances the relationship in a way? 
Yeah, I don't think it's because of the culture so much. I think it's just, um, I guess, the way I was I was raised and how she was raised, really. But now that we're together, I got to kind of learn about her, how, what she believes in, and then, you know, where we're at today and, and where we're going. So, um, so again, ad adapting to, you know, what's going to work for our family and then how we can, you know, counter off each other. Because, again, she's very smart. She's definitely smarter than I am. Um, and, and she's very structured where I'm more spontaneous. So, um, it, it's, it's really understanding each other and, and, and having a, a good dialogue. Yeah. I like that. So Denise or Dwight with, as it pertains to relationships, are you guys evenly matched in that way? Or are there certain things that you have differences with and how do you navigate through those differences? I believe there are certain things that are foundational and there are certain things that are not. I believe faith is a foundational principle, concept, whatever you want to call it. Um, political views, that's birthed from a foundation. Uh, personally, mm -hmm. me and my girlfriend, I she would not be my girlfriend if we didn't believe the things that we believed in agreement at, on the same level that we believed it. If we, if we didn't have the same zeal in our faith that we do today, it wouldn't have worked. Uh, it would have been me trying to pull her up where I am or, you know, her trying to or me watering it down to, you know, maybe make her feel more comfortable. And to be honest, that's that's kind of toxic because it's it's stunning my growth and it's trying to control hers. Uh, so personally, yeah, when it, as it relates to religious beliefs, that's got to align. So uh, that's, that's your deal breaker. That's my deal breaker. I mean, because it has to do with worldview, uh, mm -hmm. your political views are birthed from your worldview and how you view the world, what you value. Yeah. All right, what about you, Denise? Do you have any major differences relationship-wise and how does that affect? Well, my boyfriend's from Belize. I don't know if you guys ever heard of where Belize is. So he's yeah, there, Belize is mixed with, um, you know, you have Blacks, Spanish, and they speak like a dialect of Creole. So he's Black Belizean. So, um, you know, obviously there's differences, but very similarities because I'm Caribbean too from Dominican Republic. But I do agree with, what both of both of you guys said as far as foundational views, I think that is important to want to grow with each other. And I think that's one of the things that I admire the most in my relationship, the support that we have for each other and the way that we align our support for each other and our growth. Because sometimes to me, there's been situations that I've seen other people's relationship where they're doing two separate completely things and they're not supporting each other's, you know, career or just maybe a project or just no no interest in what that other person is doing. And I think when you lose interest in what that your, you know, your partner is doing, you lose interest in conversation and then in communication and you do grow apart. So I do think that personal growth, that was a great point, Ron, as far as political views, um, you know, to me, it, it's, it's one of those things that to me can be a deal breaker as well, because if you don't see the value in, different laws or different policies that are congruent to the community we live in, for example, or to the people that is like-minded like us and that the people who affects in the community, then I have a problem with that. So I do think that religion, politics, and even personal growth are big deal breakers in a relationship because if you don't have the same values, at least values that are very close to you because there's different cultural differences sometimes with people that you meet and things that you see, things are going to be an issue, especially raising a child. We have a child, you know, our son is going to be three years old. So 
you know, there's a lot of foundation things that we have to instill in him. And, you know, that's just what it is. If we don't agree, it's going to be a constant argument. That makes a lot of sense, but that's going on in households across America right now. Is it possible to have a healthy relationship with somebody you just have those major foundational differences with? Yeah, I, th I think it's possible to have a functional relationship. I don't think it's necessarily sustainable. I was watching a movie not too long ago called The Case for Christ. And um, essentially, though, they met, this couple met when they were very young and they were both atheists. Along the way, some things happened and experienced some things and the wife, she started believing in God and her husband was a, <laughs> a stud atheist. Uh, if anything, he was trying to disprove the existence of God so that she would stop believing. And her response to that was not to try to convince him of her beliefs, but to love him towards that revelation. Um, but to be honest, if he never, if he never came to that revelation, even in the midst of her loving him, that rela that relationship would, it would end in utter turmoil, or it wouldn't, it wouldn't go any further. It would just be kind of living two separate lives in one household. For me personally, I believe that all your other values are birthed out of your faith and what you believe, what the God that you believe in. That's 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 a deal breaker. You can have a functional one for a while, but it won't be sustainable. So you think it would be hard to be healthy? Very, healthy. very, very difficult. All right. So going into, I guess, relationships and, and differences, um, what is a way that you can move forward despite some of your, let's say they're not as deep as faith, but they're just a lot of differences, you know, like maybe we were opposites and we attracted. Um, what are some of the ways that you can still manage to move forward? Well, you got to make sure that you're happy where you're at first. So mm -hmm. if you're not working on yourself and where your mind is at, <clears throat> then it's going to be hard for you to expect your significant other or spouse to be there to, to fulfill your happiness. You know, nobody can't make you happy. And uh, you, you got to be content and, and have that, that peace of mind within yourself first if me and my wife didn't work out is either we didn't put forth enough effort to make it work or we didn't have the, the beliefs and, and the, the faith to, to say, hey, this is this is what we believe in. And, and it takes work. I mean, it's not it's not something that's easy. Nobody there's no book that tells you about life, like how to deal with life. It's hard. It's a hard journey and dealing with adversity and, and, and things like that and trials and tribulations. So if you're not content with yourself, then that's something that you need to work on. So do you think people are too quick now to just throw it in? Because you have social media, you have a lot yeah, of options. Absolutely. You have a lot of options. <laughs> well, because we, we live in the social media is a fantasy. These people that are post posting all these pictures on TikTok and Facebook, Facebook and Instagram and, you know, hey, my life is great and so forth. I mean, if it was talking about really what people think like anxiety and depression and and you know stress you know if they're posting that nobody would be on there so so what we want to do is post all the good stuff you know all the things that's happening hey look at me i went out to dinner post food or hey look at me i went to brought some new shoes right and <laughs> and that's a fantasy you know it's a fantasy so uh let's talk about really what goes on like waking up saying oh i'm stressed out because i'm living paycheck to paycheck or you know, I don't have a plan for my retirement. I haven't even thought about retirement. You know, I'm just trying to make ends meet. You know, those are things that, that really are, are really what goes on. But, um, but we don't want to talk about that. 
Do you think people, like you said, and this is a question for anybody too, do you think more people are putting on a show in social media? Yeah, I do think that that's why the the phrase, let's do it for the gram, that's mm -hmm. a reason why it came up because people are doing it for the gram, suggested Instagram. There's a lot of things that people need. They need instant gratification. They need satisfaction. They get this type of euphoria from people agreeing with them and liking what they say and just putting mind to, oh, this, th what is this person doing or what this person, and it becomes a com competitive kind of comparing, comparing, excuse me, kind of thing. People start comparing each other's lives to people's lives that are not true. I know a few people that are, that I see them on Instagram and you see them in, in their life and you're just like, okay, this is different. But that's their choice. I do feel a lot of times you can get caught into that vanity and that type of suggestiveness of look at me, look at me, what I'm doing. And then next thing you know, that's all you're doing is saying, look at me. What else are you bringing? What else are you doing? What are you fortifying in this type of social media era? What are you really bringing? So like even myself that does podcasting, I want to be more involved but i feel like it's so consuming there's a lot of things that I, I i kind of feel sometimes weird about posting because some things are like my private you know but there are people that share everything and you start to wonder what's the intent behind that why are they doing that it's just like okay you went to the bathroom great <laughs> like i mean it's just it's, it's crazy it becomes like who are you trying to prove that you're happy to right or you. <laughs> That's how I start thinking about it. Um, so I want to ask you guys this as we as we wind up. Um, but what lessons have you learned when it comes to resolving differences in 2020? Because we've had so many new things um, that have come up as far as the COVID, the Black Lives Matter. I mean, the movements, the election. I mean, it's so many things. Um, and I know you guys have had the opportunities to relate and talk to people, but what are the major lessons that you've learned while you've been communicating with people and learning how to resolve those differences? So at the beginning of the pandemic and the Black Lives Matter, what I realized though is I, I looked at the things that were going on in the world as if it was my world and the world that I'm looking at. And mm -hmm. it disconnected me from the people that are really going through some things, even though, you know, may, maybe social media uh, definitely embellishes some of those realities. Um, it's not all embellished. And so I, I was actually, you know, I hate to be the Bible thumper, but I mean, when I tell you I've grown in my faith during this pandemic and um, God continues to still reveal things and show you different things about yourself. And I realized I was very judgmental. Um, and not in the way that we condemn judgmental people, more like I look at people as if I'm not a part of the same world that they're in. Uh, I was reading the scripture and it said, you know, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. And, you know, when you have knowledge and when you have experiences, when you have revelation about certain things, the tendency is to want to uh, convince people to understand what you so easily understand. Um, and we often forget that we didn't always understand that. Um, and so the, the motive in times like this and communicating with people who are in the height of their emotion, in the height of their passion, in the height of the controversy is to listen. Um, learning how to be a good listener is so important. That's what I've been learning how to do in communicating with people. And to be honest, you earn, I always say it, you earn the right to speak into somebody's life. You earn the right to even give your opinion. 
when you have a certain le level of knowledge, you're not entitled to share it to them, with them. And they're not entitled to believe or even understand or even care about what you're saying. You have to earn that right. I love that. And that's one thing that I've learned um, as you were saying that, just doing this show and doing the Facebook page, just trying to ask the questions, not to because I want to say what I want to say, but just sitting back, asking the questions that help me to learn someone else's perspective. And listening is such a lost art because sure. I feel like when people, when people talk, they're trying to figure out how to prove their point while they're listening to you say what you're saying. They're more like, I'm listening for the purpose of picking out something that I want to use against you or picking out one sentence. You may have said a million good things. They want to pick out the one sentence that they feel they can you know, catch, trip you up on. And that's not listening. So I listen now and I've learned that um, through even learning performance coaching in college. We weren't even allowed to give advice um, or we failed. We had to fully allow them to make their come to their own conclusions. That was so hard for me. That was one of the biggest classes I struggled with. But at the end of the class, I learned um, that it's not about me when they're dealing with an issue. It's about them and their issue. And sometimes, and, and one of my professors said that, being heard is so close to being loved that some people can't even tell the difference. So being heard is so good. And that's even in marriages. That's even in friendships. That's even online. Sometimes they just want to be heard. And when you're done, you know, like they'll they'll continue to follow you or listen because they, they felt respected, even though you didn't agree. You don't have to agree, but you can hear each other out. So I love that. Conversations happen for us to realize and maybe to edify ourselves and the things that you both said are true. I've become a better listener mm -hmm. and during the time prior before the pandemic, I was doing internship at an organization where I was doing individual counseling and I listened a lot and I have to learn, I had to learn how to trust in what that person is giving to me and understand that that's that person's burden and that I cannot resolve it. I cannot allude to any change. All I can do is provide a service and empathize the best that I could. And that was very hard for me. And I think it drained me. I was very stressed, meaning, you know, if you're not sure, the path of a social worker is a lot of work. Sometimes in these boxes that we put ourselves, we're so rushing to get our stuff done. We fail to really listen to a lot of these clients. And there was times that I didn't want to listen. I wanted to say, you know what? This is why this is happening. But I had to understand it's about their progress. Being in the pandemic, I had to learn that as well because I started doing Zoom and doing a lot of video conferences with children. And we all know small children between the ages of five and 10, it's very hard to keep their attention doing this. So I had to become more creative with my listening, more creative with the work that I did. And it brought me to a place that doing my show as well, Pod Cipher. We speak to different podcasters about social issues. I learned a lot of my biases. I learned why I needed to listen, why I needed to do the show, why I'm even here doing this with you, because it's just just confirming a lot of things for me that listening is just, it's very important. Absolutely. Um, you talked a little bit about empathy. Tell me real quick, what is the difference between sympathy and empathy? Because I feel like there's not 
a lot of empathy <laughs> in today's time. What is the difference? I feel like with empathy, you can put yourself in that person's shoes. You can you could put yourself into that person's path and understand what they're going through. With sympathy, you can you know have regard for that that person's journey, but you don't really feel it because you haven't put yourself in that perspective or in that same situation to really feel that. And as a as doing social work and you know doing psychology, it's dangerous sometimes to have an excessive amount of empathy because you have something called counter-transference where you start to really empathize with this client because it's very similar to your story, what they're going to, and then you have those lines that get crossed. Um, I love it. So empathy, we need more of that in society. I feel like even online, like even when we talk about the Black Lives Matter, I've seen people tease um, George Floyd's death, reenact it, um, you know, laugh about it with T-shirts. And it's just like, when do we get, if we can't empathize with our brother, if we can't put ourselves in that place, how are we going, how, how can we even argue um, our points if we don't even understand the other side at all, or if we don't even care? Um, so to me, you have to understand and care um, in order to be a healthy society. Um, and so what did you learn, Ron? Well, actually, it, it, I kind of agree with Dwight and Denise. Um, a lot of their values and what they learned is uh, kind of fall in line with me as well. Um, I think the main thing was uh, you had to do a little bit more due diligence first before you just jump to conclusions. Um, you know, we, the world is, has definitely changed from last year to this year. And, you know, with COVID, I first I thought it was more of uh, something that was planned. You know, I, I did kind of, I'm on that little bit conspiracy theory. You know, like, like just, it's just, just, to me, I just think we, it just, just didn't happen. You know, we just didn't come into this and all of a sudden there's this pandemic that, that we are um, um, dealing with now and, and, you know, we don't have an answer to it. But at the same time, I think that I learned that be prepared for changes that are coming, you know, and, and that we're, we're heading down um, a new way of living, you know, with, with, those changes, you know, like like a monetary system, you know, heading to a cashless society where we won't be just, you know, paying for things with, with dollar bills anymore, you know, um, and and that the wealth, the wealthier will continue to become more wealthier. And if we don't figure it out fast, it's either going to be wealthy or it's going to be poor, you know, where the middle class is, is definitely not going to be a middle class anymore. And um, and then just appreciate the days that we do have on this earth because life comes tomorrow. Um, I've lost uh, uh, some people this year that were close to me. So it's just, it's just and, and gratefulness, I think, is the biggest thing. Just grateful for what we do have, not for what we want. You know, um, my thing is more or less peace of mind. Um, just having the peace of mind to kind of deal with what's happening right now. Because this is tough. Like, like, if you wasn't prepared for this mentally, this can mess with you. You know, you could you could fall into depression real quick, and that's real. And you can have anxiety, and you can have stress. And, so, and we talked about this. We had a mental health episode, um, episode two, and we discussed. I didn't even know this. They said that um, depression and anxiety are mental illnesses. We had a counselor on. And I was like, I didn't even know that. I thought it was just something that you just go through <laughs> because of what's going on around you. But actually, it can be chronic 
and it can be a mental illness. And so reaching out, I mean, we're so focused on ourselves. It's hard for us to even see um, what other people are going through or even reach out. Hey, are you okay? We don't even do that anymore. So that's why the suicide rate is skyrocketed um, this last year. And hopefully, you know, no more lives have to be lost just because we can't as a society love, love each other, love on each other. So thank you guys. I mean, I really appreciate everything that you input. I just think that this was a great conversation. Um, I really felt like I learned a lot, especially about differences. Um, one of the goals of the XYZ connection is to see where we connect um, as three different generations and, and and try to find the common ground here. But um, I want you guys to tell me real quick, how can they follow up with you? Yeah, so I'm starting my own podcast as well. Uh, it's called Wealth Tip Radio. Uh, I'll be launching that here in the next couple of weeks. I'm excited about that. Also, we, me and my wife have our own company. It's called F3 Legacy. It stands for Faith, Family, Finance. And, you know, in the beginning, Michael, when you spoke about what's my mission, is really teach people about financial literacy, help people get out of debt as quickly as possible, and then teach the younger generation really how, how you know, money works and, and how to um, not have to depend on other people, you know, for your financial success, so. You guys can check me out. I'm on Instagram at Podcasters of NJ, also on Facebook as Podcasters of NJ, and I have a website, Podcasters of nj.org is the incubator where I have different blogs, different interviews that I've done with industry professionals. I have a podcast that's connected to it, which is my flagship podcast. It's called Podcasters Unlimited. I've interviewed people um, from different sectors that are all podcasters and are related to different types of topics, whether it be business, tech, and just entrepreneurship. And they've talked about their journey in podcasting and giving out great information. I also have a podcastersunlimited.net, which is a network of podcasts. I have Podcasters Unlimited and Pod Cipher, which is a podcast cipher. It's a few different podcasters that I have on, and they use this space to talk about current events, social justice, and pop culture. And the reason I have podcasters on is that every podcaster has a niche audience that they speak to. And on my podcast, they can speak about anything, social justice, the things similar that we spoke about, anything that's a relatable topic within pop culture and current events. So, and I have four shows right now. I have Podcasters Unlimited, Pod Cipher, Dissecting Your Perspective, which is hosted by Jelani Watts. Michael was on that show. Yeah. And then I have Poetry Globe Live, which is a show that was created off of a YouTube show that we put on the network. It has three or four episodes that it's a poet who interviews different poets and spoken words from the area. You can follow me on Instagram at Horsento, H-O-R-S-E-N-T-O. -E um, and there you'll be able to see all my, uh, there'll be a link for my blog. But if you want to go directly to the blog, it'd be at uh, Avowed for Life. Dot org so a v o w e d the number four l i f e dot org um, and there uh, I really uh, some of the topics we're talking about now I just try to address some of these topics uh, obviously I'm a Christian but uh, I try to approach them from a very objective perspective to where you don't sense any bias but you do have steps and methods and ways of viewing some of these topics from a very objective perspective so yeah um, but yeah you can reach me there and on Facebook I'm at Dwight Pullen. Um, you can follow me. I'm very generous with the accepting of friends. So like I said earlier in the in the show. Um, so yeah, follow me. We can engage. I respond back. 
all of you have been on my Facebook page. So if they want to um, talk to you more, they can go on there and you're involved in a lot of the conversations we're having. So that's amazing. So thank you all for being here. I appreciate you so much. Um, I, this was a great show, guys. I mean, I love just talking today about just the differences, finding out where we differ, where we connect. And when those differences seem to be too much, is it still able to have good relationships? So thank you for um, tuning in. Next week, we're going to talk about let go, let God. When all else has failed, how do you get out of a toxic relationship and stay out? So that's going to be next week's topic. But stay tuned. But first, because I'm going to um, have a reflection moment, a moment of reflection where we talk about everything we've learned today and then also give you more information about how to reach us if you want to be a guest on our show as well. So stay tuned. Thank you for listening. Let's bridge the gap. Click, comment, share, subscribe. Visit our website on www.thexyzconnection.com. Join our Facebook page at facebook.com slash groups slash the XYZ Connection. Stay tuned for next week's episode of the XYZ Connection. Critical conversations impacting generations. Wow, that was a great show. What did you guys think of that? Um, I got a lot of great feedback and information. Um, I felt like we connected on so many different levels. At the end of every show, I like to do a little reflection and talk about maybe where we all connected as generations. And I saw that we were talking about that there are things that we can have in common. I found that we can have differences, but still be respectful and we can still just talk it out and we can still listen. And listening is key. We all pretty much agreed on that. Also on social media, we tend to get rude. We tend to want to enforce our own way and everybody wants to be an expert. So one thing we have to start doing is getting out of our own way and empathizing with others that are not like us. Um, even in our own household, we talk about relationships. Um, having a healthy relationship, if there's fundamental differences, is very difficult. We all agreed on that. But is it impossible? Who's to say there may be an exception? But things like that just make your relationship a little bit harder. So I noticed that we have to take the time to start looking within and say, is this something that I'm able to deal with before we get into that relationship or that situation? Um, so thank you guys for tuning in as well. I think it was an amazing show. I appreciate it. If you want more information on becoming a guest or more information on the show in general, email me at michael at empowermentww.com or you can email us at, at the xyz connection at gmail.com. Also, if you have show topics or ideas, and if you are watching this, and if you have any comments or questions, type below, click, share, like, subscribe, guys, because I would love to get your input on this because it's it was a it was a good show, and I feel like the guests were were amazing, and they will be commenting and joining your conversations below. Um, also stay tuned next week for show number five, which is let go, let God. That's the last show of the season. And in that show, we're going to be discussing how to let go of toxic relationships once and for all, whether or not it is worth saving, or maybe it's just too much and you got to get out of there. And that's understandable either way. 
We're going to talk about that next week, so stay tuned because we got more coming at you. And we're going to keep giving real, raw, and relevant topics from a multi-generational perspective. You guys have an amazing night, and we'll talk soon.